I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, millions of Americans are quitting their jobs. Some people are calling it the Great Resignation or Quitting Season. But why are people quitting their jobs and not coming back? I recently had a conversation with Brent Orell, who's a senior fellow at AEI, and we talked about this in terms of the number of people quitting their jobs in August. It was pretty staggering. Take a listen. About 3% of the entire workforce, we have 153 million workers in this country, about 3% of them quit their jobs uh, in August alone. Uh, that's uh, equivalent to um, about 4.5 million people, mm. which is larger, actually, than the city of Los Angeles. So if you put it in perspective, that's a lot of people who quit their jobs. 4.5 million just said, I'm out. Uh, I'm done and walked away from the jobs in the month of August. Uh, as Brent pointed out, that's like the city of Los Angeles just walking out. Uh, he went on to say that people are uh, just looking for better wages and better jobs, but they're often still stuck in the same industry. Most of those people are just trying to get a better job. They're, they're, they're taking advantage of a tight labor market by looking for increases in salary and benefits and flexibility and so there's a lot of churn in the labor market. The, the problem for those folks is that most of them are quitting in the same sectors where the most jobs are available, right? So service sector, retail, hospitality, those kinds of jobs, that's where a lot of the demand is, but it's also where people are quitting from. And so you got a lot of people who are saying, I'll take 50 cents uh, more an hour yeah. to do basically the same kind of job. Uh, and they're just, they're just switching because... In order to get the better jobs, they're going to need more training, and that takes time. Um, and most people don't have that kind of time. And so this is a really fascinating point to me, is that in all of those who are, are walking away from their jobs, they're, they're often coming back into the same sector or into the same industry uh, for a number of reasons. In terms of, of skills, they may not have the hard skills or the soft skills that we'll talk about with Brent in just a second – uh, but it's an interesting thing that they're often just, you know, quitting and maybe getting a, a small increase by going somewhere else because the market is tight, because employees are in a strong position. They do have some leverage uh, for the first time in a while. And But it is interesting that it just keeps cycling in these same industries as opposed to really getting to where these workers are developing both hard and soft skills so that they can actually move up that corporate ladder or move into a, a bigger responsibility or a bigger paycheck. Uh, so we went down this line with with Brent Orell, for, again from AEI, uh, talking about how employees and employers are trying to make the match in terms of not just these hard skills, these technical skills, specific skills, but for the soft skills. I have heard from employers that the real problem is not uh, technical skills. Employers feel like that if they've got a good employee, they can train for whatever they need to have done once they get the person who's, who's got these soft skills. But the problem is they say uh, that, uh, that people don't have the soft skills. 
identity. So what do they mean by that? Um, typically what they're talking about is a cluster of skills that we could probably kind of group under communication. Uh, it, it has to do with um, communication, teamwork, collaboration, uh, getting along with others, um, all sorts of um, behaviors that actually, you know, we don't sit people down in classrooms and train them how to do that, actually. That's something that most people pick up along the way in school and in their family and uh, in community organizations, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, and, you know, they, they, they learned it on sports teams, and they, it sort of gradually, those, those abilities kind of gradually accumulate. So as we look at those, and if you find yourself uh, thinking about shifting jobs or looking at new career opportunities, uh, it's never too early and never too late to really develop those soft skills. And it's interesting, I don't think we spend near enough time on the soft skills in, in higher education and even in our K-12 through programs to help people develop those abilities. And we, we see so often with many of those that are graduating from college now, their ability to, with those soft skills to really communicate, to problem solve, uh, to just focus and be able to listen uh, have been greatly diminished. Uh, they, they're great at social media and video games and uh, those kinds of things. Uh, but ask them to carry on a real conversation with a real human being, that's, that's terrifying to some. And I think this is true uh, up and down the age bracket. Uh, there may be some that are a little more senior who have more of those skills because they've worked at them and developed them over time. Uh, but to me, it's about what are you reading? Are, are you a forever learner? I think the real test for any career will be not what you learn while you're in school it will, or while you're in training. It's what you learn after that that is really the differentiator between those who do well and move up and those who just kind of get stuck in the middle or get stuck in a dead-end job uh, or a, de- a dead-end job description. And so to me, that's the important thing is, one, are you a forever learner? Are you constantly learning and developing new skills? I think one of the great challenges in our country and in our labor force today is we do have so many who have just drifted into that comfort zone of doing just enough to get by, checking the boxes, punching the clock, uh, doing just the minimum standard. And I'm one of those who believes that we're trying to do something in this country that's really never been done before, and that is outlive your own success. You can look at all the great empires in history, Roman Empire, Mayan Empire, British Empire. They all achieved levels of greatness in certain areas, but then they got comfortable. They started resting on their laurels. They started doing the minimum standard, and before they knew it, they got wiped out by someone who was a little hungrier, a little more determined. And it is, it's the most dangerous day in anyone's life. It's definitely the most dangerous day in the life of a business is the day you're successful because it is so easy to coast, to rest on your laurels, to start doing the minimum standard. And so as we look at our own skills, especially these communication skills, if you aren't reading and if you aren't writing on a regular basis, uh, there are so few who can write anymore, even just a good email or a good letter. Uh, there aren't that many, but it's a differentiator that will give you all kinds of uh, benefits in your career. Uh, So take time to write, take time to read, and then learn how to collaborate, negotiate, uh, and get to solutions. That's what we're all after. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. 
It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.